the latest in rugby following heartbreak for Australia. Yes, heartbreak. Portugal, a win against Fiji, 24-23, to one of the big upsets in the history of the World Cup. But Fiji get the bonus point and hang on. They make it into the quarterfinals. Australia bow out. Joining us down the line this afternoon to chat all about it is rugby expert and host of the Rugby Rap podcast, Mick Collis. Mick, welcome to the program. Yeah, Matt, I don't know whether it's you or me. One of us is a jinx for the Wallabies, and um, I'm hoping it's you because it just can't be me that'll kill me. Maybe the next time the Wallabies make it into a World Cup, we just uh, we won't chat, we won't speak because uh, it was we'll disappointing this year. It was uh, one of the worst uh, in history for Australia. They needed a lot of things to go their way following a couple of real poor performances. Portugal, they did get the win in the end, but it wasn't enough. Fiji, they were able to make it through. Yeah, and look, it was a fantastic night. I watched that in a little um, little cafe in Paris last night with a, a group of Australian rugby fans and some just some general rugby fans. And, you know, Fiji... Well, Portugal basically needed to deny Fiji getting a bonus point. They either had to beat them by eight or stop Fiji scoring four tries. They didn't score four tries, but as you mentioned, it was only one point in it. And so Fiji, that was enough for them to to draw level with Australia, but because they'd beaten Australia, they they go through. So Australia's out for the first time in history. A team that's won, I think, twice is no longer part of the World Cup, knocked out in the pool stages. But the Portuguese, they were great. They were fantastic against Australia. They were in our pool. Um, They had a player sent off in the the sin bin for 10 minutes, and Australia scored three converted tries in that 10-minute period to score 21 points. And that was really the only difference between the two teams with that 10-minute period. Otherwise, Portugal took it right to the Australians. And I'm not sure whether that's a reflection of how good Portugal have become or how bad Australia have become. But then last night, up against Fiji, Portugal had never won a game at a Rugby World Cup before. And the emotion that they had, those blokes were in tears at the end of the game. You could just see how much it meant to them. And I would love Australia to have just a tenth of that passion that the Portuguese brought. But Fijians obviously disappointed to lose last night, but they are ecstatic because they'd done enough to, to make it through to the quarterfinals. So it was a it was a terrific game. I was look obviously wanting the Wallabies to go through, but I don't think they deserved to go through. Fiji were more deserving, in my opinion. They beat England and the Wallabies in the lead up, or in the lead up, they beat England and they beat the Wallabies in that World Cup. So I think they were more deserving to go through. But it was a great result, and I think it was the result that Australia needed to give it the game a real kick up the backside. Because if we had gone through, I think Hamish McLennan and the the bosses would have thought, "Yep, it's all part of the plan. We're all on track, and, and everything's fine. We can keep doing what we needed to do." So I, I think Australia being knocked out, that the game's in a bit of trouble, and that's the hopefully will be the catalyst for some much-needed change. Okay, so what do you think the fallout will be from Rugby Australia and from the Australian public now following this World Cup departure? Well, well, we always get an uptake in participation after a World Cup. I don't think that's going to happen because no-one's even going to know that the World Cup's on because the the Wallabies are out. And just when there's some, some space in the media when the NRL's finished, the AFL's finished, and all of a sudden you've got the pointy end of the World Cup, and that's where the Wallabies should be dominating the press, but they're not going to be there. So I don't think there's going to be much of an uptake. I don't think we're going to be attracting new sponsors by the way that has gone off. We're not certainly not going to be attracting new fans. So the damage to the game has, has been extraordinary. So I'm really hoping... We bumped into a guy before the... 
uh, Ireland-Scotland game, I think it might have been, and on oh, no, the Wallabies-Portugal game, a guy called Brett Papworth, who was a former Wallaby, and he's been involved in club rugby for a long time, and he said if he was the CEO, his first priority would be to get more kids playing, his second priority would be to get more kids playing, and his third priority <laughs> would be to get more kids playing. And that's where the num- that's where the money needs to go. Instead of spending, they offered Angus Crichton $1.6 million from the Roosters, and they've already given this Joseph Soyley, you know, five and a bit million. So there's $7 million. Can you imagine how many development officers you could get with $7 million? Like, they're just, mm-hmm. their priorities are wrong. So I'm hoping when they have this review, which they always have, or hopefully they actually just start to think, we can't just put all our money and resources into the Wallabies because if we don't have kids playing the game, we're well, not going to have a Wallabies team and we're going to remain, we're basically a 2-2 nation in rugby now. We've dropped a tenth in the world. We're outside the quarterfinals. So we, we are officially a, a tier two nation. And, you know, that hurts to say for a country that's that's won the thing twice and we're in the final in 2015. Now they to make it out of the pool stages. So there's got to be some big reviews. I, I don't know if they'll get rid of Eddie Jones. Um, I mean, they've contracted him for five years. They're already paying Dave, Dave Rennie a million bucks to, to not coach because they cut his contract short. So if they sack Eddie Jones, well, they've got to pay him $4 million over the next four years. And this is money that they don't have. And again, $4 million, stick that into development offices in, instead of paying a coach to just, you know, do guarding leave. They're just, they're stuffed up. And look, I, I, I don't know. There's got to be some big reviews, some big changes made, but they've got to get interest back in the game and they've got to get kids wanting to play the game. And when no kid could even name a wallaby, well, they don't know how they're going to do it. What would you do? Would you keep Eddie Jones? It sounds like you would. Oh, I think from a financial point of view, yes. I think you've got to. We can't, we can't afford to just be paying a guy $4 million to, to and because then you've got to pay the new coach another $4 million. So it's an $8 million turnaround. So I, I think that... I don't know why they panicked and, and got Eddie Jones in the first place because they had, they had this succession plan in place. They had Dave Rennie was going to take us through to this World Cup and he'd been planning for the, the four years. He had the squad that he wanted. And then they had a guy called Dan McKellar, who was the assistant coach, very good coach, had been down at the Brumbies. And the succession plan was for Dan McKellar to take over for the next World Cup cycle. But when they've got rid of Dave Rennie and they've signed Eddie Jones for five years, Dan McKellar has gone, well, I'm not going to hang around another five years to get a shot at the Wallaby duties, Wallaby coaching job. He's gone overseas. So all of a sudden you've lost your next Wallaby coach. So it was just, uh, it was, I think it was a short-sighted panic decision Dave Rennie didn't have a good coaching record, but, you know, good grief, Eddie Jones has won two out of nine, and his, his win rate's about 18%. They sacked Dave Rennie because he was on 38%. Mm. So Eddie Jones came in with an inflated coaching record, and, um, look, it just it didn't work. Look, it, it, it could have been hindsight, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. Eddie Jones could have come in, turned it around. We might not have had Will Skelton injured, Taniela Tupern might not have been in, injured. But even so, some of his selections that he made, by not taking some experienced players when times get tough to give these young guys someone to look up to and a calm, cool head who's been there before to to know what to do in that situation. That's what we really missed, and I think that does fall on Eddie Jones. So to get more kids involved, obviously investing will be a big part of that, You know, getting the right facilities, the right people involved, but how do you make the game more appealing to the young people of Australia? Mm. And that's a big challenge because, you know, we are comparing and competing against NRL and, and AFL. So, you know, number one, if you're, if you're just a kid at home and you're watching the 
just watching the news, your parents have got the news on, you're looking at AFL players and you're looking at NRL players. You'd never, ever see a rugby player. If you're just surfing around the TV on, on a weekend, you, you're going to watch NRL or you're going to watch AFL. You're never going to find um, rugby because it's behind a paywall. They get one game a year during, or one game a weekend during Super Rugby um, that it might be hidden on you know on nine gem. So rugby it just doesn't have it's not visible, and and I think that comes down a bit to to the product. And I mean they've tried to play with the rules, and it's funny you know the game's very very healthy overseas, but I think it's because they don't have the alternative. Like you, if you're a new person, we were discussing this on the weekend watching the Wallabies play. If you're someone who who's you know not familiar with any of the codes, you sit someone down to watch a you know really grinding game of rugby a game of NRL or a game of AFL, you're not going to probably come back and watch rugby unless you actually understand what's going on. From a spectator's point of view, it's it's not always a good game. Last night was fantastic. Portugal and Fiji were mm. great. They threw yep. the ball around. That's great. But once we get to these, you know, the quarterfinals watching South Africa play, they're not going to play a big, expansive, wide-running game. They're just going to have big men crashing it up. They'll be happy to take these and they'll be happy just to win and they won't care how they win. So... I think the, the game itself is is a bit of a drawback in terms of trying to attract new people. If you come from a rugby family, you're brought up on the game and you know it. But but that number of rugby families is diminishing. So that's where it makes it, it hard. And again, we've got no superstars. You know, you ask kids the name of Wallaby, they couldn't do it. But they all know, you know, Reese Walsh or, or Nathan Berry from, from the rugby league. And you've got your, you know, your Paddy Cripps and AFL's got so many superstars that, that young kids hear about and, and look up to and, and want to be, but rugby just does, does not have that. The game, it's a fantastic game. It, it's got all the, so many great things about it, but just how we get all kids interested in, in playing it, that's, the, that's where all the decisions and all the money and all the time, Rugby Australia, they should be spending all that money and resources in trying to answer that question. How do we get more kids interested and how do we get more kids playing the game? All right, so did you take away any positives from Australia at this World Cup? Uh, Angus Bell, mm. superstar, yep. like a young prop, and, and we've always we've spoken about him. He's, you know, he's been he's only I think twenty two or twenty three years old, and um, and look, he's he's world class. They should make him captain because he'll be captain for the next ten years. So let's stop. Mucking. I think Eddie Jones has had six captains in the time that he's been there. So let's just get Eddie, uh, Angus Bell as captain. He was great. Um, Geez, other positives coming out, not out of the Wallabies. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot there. Um, and as I said, the, uh, the only other positive is the game is very healthy, and there's some wonderful people that support rugby all around the world. We've had some great conversations with people over here. There's a great camaraderie and a great sort of spirit amongst all the supporters. But geez, there's, there's not a lot of positives to take out of the Wallabies for this this World Cup. Just that lack of experience. There's some bright young players. I think Carter Gordon's great. But Eddie Jones hooked him um, after that game against Fiji. And so we've got to try and rebuild his confidence. Then he got injured. Um, so, look, yeah, certainly a lot more negatives than positives, unfortunately. All right, so eight teams left in the World Cup, Mick. Wales will take on Argentina. We've got Ireland to play New Zealand. Uh, England to play Fiji and France to play South Africa. What are your thoughts on the final eight uh, teams in the competition? Yeah, well, and again, just a disaster. The way that that draw has come out, you've got... The four best teams in the world in Ireland, South Africa, Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa, and France—they're all playing each other this weekend in the quarterfinal. So two of those teams are going to have to go home with their tail between the legs, saying, "Yep, yeah, we got knocked out in the quarterfinals," which is not a good thing to be saying. We'd love to say it, 
that we're not even going to be there. So for two of those best four teams aren't going to make it past the quarterfinals. But on that, the other side of the pool, as you mentioned, we've got um, Wales against Argentina. So that would have been the Wallabies if we finished in first. And then England against Fiji, and that would have been us if we finished second. So those four teams are so much weaker than the other four. So I, those, those, the two quarterfinals, the Ireland, New Zealand and South Africa fans, they, will, they should have been the semifinals. They both will be wonderful games. It's an armchair ride through for that other side of the draw to make it into the semifinals. And once we get to the semifinals, whichever team wins out of Ireland and um, New Zealand and France and South Africa, those two teams will get will beat the other team they play in the, in the semifinals. So it'll be one of those will be then, or both of those. The winner of both those quarterfinals will be playing in the final. All right. Well, uh, a lot to look forward to still in the Rugby World Cup. Unfortunately, Australia will not be taking part. A few things had to go their way, but Portugal defeating Fiji. It wasn't enough. Just the one-point win, and Fiji still advanced. Mick, a big thanks to you for joining us on the program today, all the way from France. And, uh, well, the next time we do chat about the Wallabies, hopefully uh, we'll try and figure something out to... uh, to make them go well instead of what we've done. We've sort of jinxed them this time around. Yeah, I, I think, Matt, we need to organise a tour for the Wallabies to go to Namibia <laughs> or somewhere like that. Then we reckon we'll have a 3-0 clean sweep. Get the confidence back up. Yep. <laughs> Mick, Mick, thanks for your time. Always a pleasure, Matt. Good on you. Cheers.